0: Hello, ladies and gents, travelers and residents. Uh, this is Book Record Beer, season four, episode eleven, and we got a humdinger of a Gregorio cast for you today—an indie showcase, if you will. Um, this is this is gonna be uh, effing fantastic. Um, no idea why I censor myself. Here we go, let's fucking get into it Uh, Of course, as always, I am joined by my good friends, colleagues, and compatriots
1: Firstly, one Daniel DeFranco Hello everybody, my name is Daniel DeFranco He's very excited (laughs) Nick
0: Gregorio, chooser of the cast today
2: Hi everybody, it's great to be back in my house again for five months
0: (laughs) At least it's not 9am this time that's that true. was a, just, Jesus. A, just a goddamn doozy. Um, yeah. And our very special guest today, uh, publisher, dude runs a press. Dude has also had his collection pressed. Uh, we are going to be looking at his book, The Way Cities Feel to Us Now. This is
3: Nate Perkins is with us today. Say hello. Hey, what's up, y'all? How's it going? Hi, Nate. Hi. Thanks for having <laughs> me on.
1: Nate, let's get... um. Nate, let's get important things out of the way first. All right, all right. So you you run Trident Press, right? Yes. Okay. I do. And you just published Nicholas Gregorio's uh, split collection with Fran Delario.
3: That is true. Uh, with that a Difference came out a little bit earlier this summer.
1: Awesome, man. So I want to thank you for that because um, the only thing that trumps Nick Gregorio's need for validation... <laughs> Is his whining about his need for validation. So, thank you. You saved us. Yeah,
3: I, yeah. I, I mean, I did what I could. You know, I was thinking of, I was thinking of you guys. Definitely. Very. That's sweet. all we
0: ask. I mean, why else do we do this thing? Um, yeah, no, that's fantastic, man. And I love uh having read this and getting a very strong pump, punk vibe from you and 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 just knowing that you put out essentially a split seven inch a literary split <laughs> seven inch out there um i thought that was just so fucking cool it, it just went so well
3: yeah that, i mean that's the dream is to, to run a press like you would run a tape label or something so that that fit in perfectly it was a great project really fun to work on excellent
0: yeah and um uh, along the lines i like to start by um introducing us as, as something strange <laughs> um, and along the lines of your uh, your collection there's a lot of traveling in here you know and um, it really made me think of touring and it made me think of all of the convenience stores you stop in and all the pull-offs where you're in a gas station snack place and eating something weird um, so I wanted to think of some standbys Uh, And I'm going to introduce, if I was to introduce you gentlemen These are the standby snacks when living (laughs) in a van Uh, And so, because they're uh, spicy And uh, they got a delicious kick But they're very consistent Daniel, you are Takis, my friend What are are Takis? Yeah, Yeah, I've never heard of Takis Bag of fucking Takis
3: What? Takis are the best Never never in my life
1: What? What is a Takis? Jesus. Nate, what are we going to do? I don't
3: know. Jokers? I think I think I'm going to log off. I'll see, right, you, guys see you later.
0: Bud. It was good to meet you. I feel like we should have a conversation at another time. <laughs> how do you not know Takis? Uh, Takis are ta- I mean, I don't know how else to explain them other than they're like spicy, a little bit sweet. They're they they're just delicious and um I pff- You're it, so I feel fucking like a fool now (laughs) that you don't even know it. T a k i s. -S. Jesus. All right, I'm moving on. Uh, Nick Gregorio, you are another standby. Of course, it's what we're doing here, but this is like this is this is one that just is is such a go-to, reliable crunchy Cheetos, my friend.
2: Crunchy Cheetos, okay, I like that.
0: And Nate, because I feel like. I, I, I don't know you that uh, well. I've just have read your writing and, and I get the sense that there's a lot going on there. There's a lot in there. And so you're a take five, my friend.
3: I'll take yeah, you. are a take I'll five. Take <laughs>
0: it's a lot. There's just a lot in there. Uh, you got pretzels. You got some nougat, some caramel. Um, yeah. So, so that's how I would introduce you, cats, if I was to introduce you as a standby snacks on the road.
3: If you could leave right. that as a review on uh, the page for my book on Amazon, <laughs> I'd appreciate
0: it. Sure. Yeah. This dude's a take five. This is a take
1: five of a Nicholas Mahalik, you're not escaping this yes, introduction sir. unscathed. You, my friend, would Never be a uh, beef jerky. <laughs> <laughs> because you're, nice. Uh, That's you're amazing. Smoked. Sometimes. Uh, but, there you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, sometimes. <laughs> That's true. You, can, uh, true. you know you're you're chewy, but okay. always satisfying. Uh, <laughs> okay, there we go. Yeah, like like
0: if, if you're hungry, I'm just enough to get yeah, you through. I didn't really think this through. I just wanted. Yeah. Well Yeah, I was gonna say you're just reaching. I can get you from Chicago to like Minnesota. You're, you're good. Yeah. Maybe. On one stick
2: of beef jerky. Yeah.
0: Well, a whole bag, you know. Done <laughs> you know you got a few all right let's let's move let's on let's move in um we can get hung up on that forever uh so Dan, or nick i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna pass sure. the reins over to you i want you right to start on. this off and uh and let's let's get this showcase okay going, so baby.
2: nate um so nate is is an extraordinarily prolific writer as well he has cactus which is a short novel that came out on trident he has wallop which came out on house of vlad just what a month ago nate
3: uh in what month is it yeah nice june
2: uh and then we have the way cities feel to us now which came up uh, came out on my former press uh maudlin house um and you're also one of the punkest guys i've ever met i mean cactus is the punkest fucking book i've ever read in my life so well done there Um. can i stop (laughs) one sec can i jump in one sure
1: so you said he's incredibly prolific as well was that a humble brag was, for yourself or was that <laughs> as well as like among the other things that Nathaniel uh, Kenyon Perkins uh, contains? I was
2: mostly talking about myself.
1: Okay, there we go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you had the perfect, you could have just said that me putting the take five out there and put it in your head, but no.
2: <laughs> All right, oh, sorry. So, no, you're good. So, Nate, I think the first thing I wanted to talk to you about with this one was um, one story of yours in this collection features a man who cuts off his own nipple with two snips from a pair of scissors, and I want you to talk about that for a second.
3: (laughs) Well, uh, the whole story was just about a guy cutting off his nipple Um, because I heard there was a guy that I knew who swore that his brother had done just that. (laughs) Uh, I never met the guy. I doubt it really happened, but I I thought about it a lot. Yeah. I thought about well, it uh, a lot. Well, it's it certainly has <laughs> yeah. stuck
2: with me. I mean, I I can like my teeth. It, it's one of those stories where it's just so visceral that you have a physical reaction to it, and that's that's good. If you have a physical reaction to a story, the the story is doing something right, whether it's like, um goosebumps or or fucking it turns your stomach or just makes you kind of grit your teeth and i felt that a couple times in this book um, which is really spectacular um so i think um a, a friend of mine's wife works at a, a hospital and she at one point had to go to a man's home who needed uh, to be transported to the hospital, and she walked in on him, sawing through his own flaccid penis with a serrated knife. Um, and I just wanted to to offer that to you. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, Nick. <laughs> um,
0: You're putting yeah, it in better right. hands.
2: So... And then, additionally, Nate, uh, I told you last night when we were talking about the show that uh, the story "Lemon Trees" in this collection is just a wonderfully powerful story, and it you're very welcome. And it doesn't have that sort of grit your teeth revuls- revulsion to it. You know what I mean? So, uh,
0: yeah, it does. Yeah, part that. one. So I
2: want I want you to go into, if you will, the 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 selection of the stories for the collection. And your thought process behind sort of the order in which they show up for us.
3: Um, I wrote most of the story sort of over a period of 10 years. So they, they stretch from a, you know, there's some, they're very different. You know, they, I, I felt weird about putting some of them together. Um, but it was sort of like the best of what I thought was the best of everything, all the short stories that I had written over that period of time. And I put them together in an order that I thought was okay, that worked somehow. And uh, Mallory and Boulant, the, the publishers, changed that all <laughs> up, which was great. They did. So they, they totally turned that on its head. I sent it to a lot of friends, too, who were like, nah, this doesn't work at all. Um, but yeah, thanks to having other people look at it and sort of got rearranged in a way. I mean, there are some stories that... That uh, have to be next to each other, right? Stories that refer to other stories. There are stories uh, that are sort of different accounts of some of the same things happening. Um, So most of the stories in there sort of tie to at least one other story in some way. I I was just trying to go for that. I like I like it when I see that. So I was trying to do that. No, I don't know. I don't know if it worked, but yeah.
0: So to that end, I I actually had a question I wanted to definitely ask you. It's like, um, you know, uh, Pyramid Blues seemed to be almost like the map. I kept thinking of tour and and road trip and, and just being on the road. And so that one to me really felt like putting the map on the dash before you jump into the thing proper, I don't know if that was your choice or or, or what, but um, uh, I I did want to see if that was purposeful because it felt like there was um all the information you needed about sort of the central cast, um, uh, particularly the the one narrator that seems to be showing up quite a bit, um, and uh, all the different things about that character, about that speaker, you know, uh, the uh reference back to divorce and, and being a Mormon and this, that, and the third, and all this stuff is all there in that first story. So I I, I wanted to ask if that was purposeful and, and or what our thinking was there uh, when putting this together.
3: Yeah. I, uh, is I think more, I thought of it as a map of like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to set the tone for a story collection that's mostly based in the American West. Right. And so while all of those elements of all the stories were sort of, introduced in that story what i really wanted to do was introduce the setting um okay which was yeah. just like being poor and traveling in the american west right on yeah nice, nice. um <clears throat> so nate
2: we uh i met nate in a in a backyard outside of denver a couple summers ago on maybe the hottest day in denver's history um yeah, <laughs> and nate read from a book by a dude named tanner Balangi, is that how you say his last name yeah is that how you say his last name? now tanner name? Yeah. shows up in Close this enough. in this collection
3: <laughs> yeah 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 tanner is in that uh he's in that story uh... yeah and
2: so um go in go into that no i'm, I'm sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm just stepping on your feet go into that for us so i mean obviously you're you're fictionalizing real people or maybe you're not you know what i mean
3: so go into yeah. that a little bit for us
2: unpack that if you will
3: Sure. Um, Yeah, so Tanner Bollingy ends up in Pyramid Blues as a character. Uh, That story was based on some journals that I wrote while I was driving out to Arizona. Um, And part of that trip, driving to Arizona from New Mexico, was meeting up with Tanner. That was the first time that we'd met in real life, although we'd been friends on the internet for a long time before that. Um, I think in all of those stories, I... when I'm reading, I really like to not know what really happened to the author and what didn't. I don't, like, you know, it's fiction, but I don't, you know, I can't figure out what's real Mm -hmm. and what isn't. And Mm -hmm. that's something I really shoot for pretty heavily. And so sometimes um, a part of that just ends up being that I just leave somebody's name (laughs) as, like a character is named the same thing as a person I know in real life, you know. Yeah. Um, So
0: kind of like Kerouac?
3: yeah i'm exactly <laughs> like <him>. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, i know he was he was wanting to do that on like drafts right yeah, he'd leave yeah. every like, neil would be neil and, and stuff like that totally
3: yeah I, I always do that on drafts too and then uh, kind of see what happens some people switch around some people don't just sort of depends right. yeah i want the characters that to, to resemble reality or deviate from it as much as the events do you know and sort of sort of mix yeah you know what until it gets even lost for me
2: you know what it felt like it felt like uh you know this is just coming from the comic book nerd in me it like felt like parallel universe nate you know what i mean uh a situation here or there altered slightly in a universe thousand universes to our left and there it is and and that adds such a i don't know i i don't know if i necessarily as a writer have the I think that takes guts, wouldn't you say, Daniel or Nick like it takes guts to like base things on almost real events or real events and then to making them fictional i i I think I hide behind some stuff when I write things, try and make something completely other does that make sense
0: right yeah i i i you know it was really interesting. I was thinking about that a lot um last night because. Uh, Daniel and I were entrenched in this, uh, surrealism, uh, seminar. And, and I was thinking a lot about creative nonfiction and this like need now, uh, for a lot of people to, to have a very clear, uh, genuineness that, that, that there is just an absolute sort of like, um, the person doing the thing is worthy to do the thing. Kind of, kind of situation like they're they're able to write about X because they have experience in X, like that kind of thing. And and so I was thinking about that a lot because you know when you're talking about fiction. it, it, it's a very strange line that we're towing now between using our imagination and not, and, and, and what gets labeled this and what gets labeled that. And, and the more labels we come up with and the more need we have for this genuineness, um, if that's what we're going to call it, which I'm not sure we should. Um, it really does sort of like, I don't know. It, it, it gets it. it I think it, it can at times muddy the waters quite a bit. And I, I don't know what you guys thought about that, but I, I think about that a lot, just to your question, Nick, like, do we, um, if we write a story that is like so, so, so much an experience we had and it's almost a journal entry, uh, should it, should it be creative nonfiction? Do we care? Does it matter at all? You know, like what, um, what the fuck at that point, you know, because I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's almost like a lot of fear uh, at times that people have with putting things out and then wondering what the response is going to be um, with with um, the way that it's received, in some ways, I don't know. Uh, perhaps I'm alone in that.
3: No, I don't. I, I mean, I don't think it matters personally. I, I mean, I try not to think about it. What's What's the difference between creative, nonfiction and fiction? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I'm not going to figure it out. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, and. I'm not sure. I don't know One of one of the stories in this book, the, uh, Los Huevos del Señor, the one about the Mormon missionary who steps in front of a car trying yeah. to get sent home. So that was the first piece of work that I had ever gotten published. Uh, maybe in 2011. No, maybe later than that. I don't know. But, um, that was published originally as nonfiction, right? Because that's what the magazine was looking for was, was an essay. Um, mm. And then I was like, ah, fuck it, it's better in a story collection. I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. Or, like, if you read, you know, you read Scott McClanahan's books and the character's name Scott and and all this super, super personal stuff is happening, it's like, yeah, this is written by, this character Scott was written by a person named Scott. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Is it creative nonfiction? I don't know. No, because he says it isn't, right? I don't know. Right? Yeah. I don't yeah, think you it think matters of- much.
0: I I always go back to like the JT Leroy thing and stuff too, you know, like that whole scandal um, and 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 how people were just so enthralled with it being real. And it totally wasn't. And and then what does it matter then? Then I I almost felt like it had more worth then because then you're like, oh, my God, this is actually all invented. Like this is is a whole facade, you know, um, that's invented.
1: Fill us in on that. What's that? What is the JT Leroy scandal? You mentioned it before, but oh, I, I so, uh, I'm sure our listener doesn't remember either.
0: Yeah. In, in the 90s, there was there was this um, uh, book that came out about it. I believe it was a 15 year old uh, prostitute and he uh, was the author and he had written about his experience. His mother was a, a prostitute at the truck stops. And, and, you know, that's what a lot of the, the book was about. It was it was this genuine, real thing. Um, and so uh the actual author was like a 30-something year old woman who had some some mental illness, and she was, she dressed up her niece um, as JT Leroy, became friends with Billy Corgan, became friends with Courtney Love, became friends with uh, all, pretty much all the big rock stars at the time, because actually she really wanted to be a rock star. And so she was rubbing elbows with these guys, and then when it came out that she was, you know, she was the manager, she was the actual author, and JT Leroy wasn't JT Leroy at all um, I mean got dropped like a bad habit and even now look nobody knows who the fuck she was and it was I mean it was enormous it was huge I think there's even a documentary on it
1: as someone with many of them (laughs) in any case it's being dropped like a bad habit is not that easy it doesn't happen very quickly so (laughs) just edit your (laughs) are you critiquing my turn of phrase so. (laughs) so let me let me touch on this idea of um i guess uh i I think it's essential that you your beliefs or your version of the truths that you're writing are in your work um, even if you haven't had that experience, like you still have this idea of i think if you know yourself how you would act or how you hope you would act in a situation, whether you've had that experience or not so um Cause I think when you're lying, it shows. What do you mean by that? Well, if you're if you're hiding behind something, not to. I mean, Gregoria said you you sometimes hide behind stuff. I'm like, well, that, I, I meant say, that I to say on your work, like. Well, you better not it. be. I'll,
2: I'll fucking I know where you live.
1: Yeah, I'll get to it later. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what? So what did you mean? You hide behind stuff? So maybe you clarify well, that. Well, I won't.
2: I won't. So let's just talk about a story in in this distance, the beyond. Right, it takes place. On the fucking moon, mm-hmm. but that 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 story came about because I was very deathly afraid of uh, my wife dying. You know what I mean? It's a fairly simple thing, and I thought about it a lot, and I thought about the things that I would say, and I thought about the things she would say. But I did not want to make it literal. I didn't want to sit here like like right, it's actually right. Happening. I wanted to make it where like this yeah. this this woman had to literally. Go and step through a portal into the next whatever it is, um because she had terminal cancer, so you know you don't what I mean
1: think that is hiding behind something right I feel like you're looking at something and you're dealing no, with the yeah. real shit in the way that you know how well then so, i I suppose I yeah.
2: misspoke because uh, you're I think you're right
1: and with your their beliefs like are going to be in that, hopefully mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. one one version of the I, truths you hold I are think, going to be presented right. there so. Right.
0: If you had her get better, but it was like really bad for a little bit, but you actually didn't confront the fear of right. the death, right? That it was actually that. I think that would there be hiding go. behind something. Yeah. That would be being yep. disingenuous, yep. that would be lying. Am I correct, yep. Daniel? That's what you're kind of saying there. That yep. that would be the lie.
1: Gotcha. All right, so I think we're I think we're all yeah. on the same no, page. I I, I, I I think that came across. Well, I don't know, Nate, what do you is is that how you are operating in this? What do you what are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that's how I'm operating quite as much. Um just because I'm not very good at that. Uh not because I don't see value in it. I just I just am not good at writing in that way. Um but I think that that, you know.
1: And what do you mean? You mean like that in that still... way of really like mining your own shit? Is that what you mean?
3: No, no, I mean like what what? So I'm I'm mining yeah. my own shit. I think I guess what I so the way I understood your question is like, am I operating in the way of like creating? So I'm not, I am not working like Nick works, right? Like Nick is mining his own shit. Nick Gregoria is mining his own shit and then creating another world through which to process it. Um, I'm not that good at that. So I, I mine my own shit, usually keep it in a pretty similar world and then inject other elements that, that help process it. Yeah.
0: yeah. So. so so it feels like there's like um for every story there's fe- it feels like there's these these touchstones there's these like singular events that the, that the story then is wrapped around. I almost felt like there was like uh if you ever made a rubber band ball like the there's an event like the nipple for instance that's the jack that then the rubber bands get wrapped around and 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 kind of fill it out to make to make the story in, in a lot of these and you know I was I was curious, like, to that end, did those subsequent rubber bands um, – because, I mean, in the story, and I, I kind of saw this as, as it's got to be true, but perhaps it's not, but but did touring help you to find those other rubber bands and sort of, like, put those layers on and, and saying these in front of crowds every night kind of helped to do that? Because I don't, I don't have any – experience touring uh literature but i do with music and i know that coming back from tour you are a thousand times better than you were when you left and you essentially have have just refined and crafted so much without even thinking about it um and you've changed stuff on the fly like mid whatever uh and then put it into the final product um, because you've watched the crowd's reaction and 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 you've fed off what they're giving you and and sort of seen you know your own um, flaws and and faults in the work, so I don't know uh did that have, did that process you know sort of manifest uh, or help manifest, manifest these stories, stories or, or 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 no
3: yeah, definitely I mean um I think the problem with touring any sort of art. Uh, touring a book or touring music is that you're going and you usually have the LP recorded already, or you have the book written already and you're going I, out uh, and you're, you're selling it. Right. Um, that's
0: true. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So I think that
0: but Joey's got the next, next thing.
3: Yeah. But, but some of these stories I did tour on before this book came out. I, um and then I toured them on them again after the book came out and they definitely changed. And that, and that part of standing up in front of people and seeing what they laugh at or seeing what they groan at, or just like seeing a complete absence of emotion definitely changes the work, you know. Um, yeah. I think in a in a more effective way than it does to send your pages to your friends to have them to critique or something, you know. But like having to be percent, there and yeah. stand up in front of somebody and and say all these things that you've written and see how people who don't know you react definitely changes the way it's you trial. think about it and where you where you push it.
0: Trial by fire, man. Yeah. Yeah. I in that story, I forget which one it is now. I had it marked um, where there is the the touring uh, sort of like is the central piece. I kept picturing the character as like a Ted Chippington. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that comedian that from the eighties. So he would do stand up before punk bands in the eighties, oh, like the birthday party and shit. And uh, and he was like an anti comedy comedian. So he would just say he was um, like he would say the same line. Over and over and over again until it like was driving everybody crazy and they like threw bottles at him or like laughed because it was so absurd. Like Stuart Lee loves him and that's all I kept picturing was like man that's just so that's so amazing to just have the balls to do that, just stand up there and do that and and that character just made me think of that like like yeah you just you just up there nervous. Right, smoking cigarettes and doing all this stuff, but continuing to to go up there and have that trial by fire. I thought that was really, um, I know that was a standout for me for sure.
3: Thanks. Yeah, I mean touring is, it's, I mean it's my favorite part of the whole process. I mean I love writing and publishing and doing all that, but what what really makes it feel real and makes it feel fun is when I get to go on tour, you know, and travel around and because that's what I'm that's what I like to do, you know, if I can take if I can take what I'm doing and then somehow by any means necessary translate or transpose that into getting to travel around then it's a success
0: yeah
2: what do you do about the toilet i have such a concern about toilets when i went on touring like that's that scares me to death i can't go in a public restroom
0: (laughs) oh it should i mean then you can't do it
2: Well I'll there's tell you no, what i'll have there's I'll no have two a, ways a about blockage that. when I return I'll have to go get it like cut out of me
1: <laughs> Nick you Gregorio you've gotta travel around like the uh the uh king of North Korea you've gotta get your own toilet i gotta
2: do something i mean i can barely <laughs> I can barely go on a day trip you know what i mean like i,
0: I too- what
3: no. <laughs> <laughs> No, just get a little toe behind camping. <laughs> oh, <for later>. Jesus, <laughs> Guys, Like all you, you know what I think really did
1: it. Yeah. Um, so hold on, let's let's <laughs> let's pivot here. Let's not keep talking about <laughs> shit, right? Thank <laughs> um, Daniel. But to have a graceful uh, segue, if you will, Nate, which story would be best suited for that quick bathroom read? Some, so, some I, just get your um, book. They're they're Ooh, their good their segue. Buck, right? hey. You've got them for three minutes and a lot of these stories are you know they're only a couple pages long yeah, which which long. one yeah if you i know you can't pick it's like how do you pick your favorite kid but which one do you feel yeah. um he's like no I, I hate some of these i'm sure <laughs> which one <laughs> yeah. do you think is like the um most symbolic or uh representative of the collection Ooh.
3: well i mean pyramid blues is most representative of the collection but that's not a bathroom read right um how about okay how about the the title story the last Mm -hmm. one in the book uh the way cities feel to us now about the the punk kid hitchhiking across the country oh and there's shit in there sure is yeah he shits his pants yeah he shits his pants in the the f-150 while he's hitchhiking i think maybe
2: i would go sprinting into the highway if that happened to me. i'm just saying
1: start in the (laughs) rear all right got
2: it
0: yep (laughs) Um I, I had a uh, another one, unless Nick you had you had one that you were moving us towards. I I thought um there was this really cool sort of breakup of the stories where it felt like there was this, you know, not to use the word over and over again, but there felt like there was a real uh genuineness in, in, in the vast majority of them that like this is this is um a, a strong sentiment, whether it be like um the ethos of punk or anarchism or something like that. Um, and then there were these these other stories like a few that were peppered in there um where like the the character is meant to represent those ideals but is like the opposite like is like a clear fraud like in um in uh the threesome uh one where the dude has like the brand new Jansport pack yeah I- you know, he's got a brand new pack, yeah, and, yeah. and and he's like, yeah, no, I ride rail, I ride rail, yeah, and yeah. Uh, he clearly has never ridden rail ever, and um, and he gets mangled, and it's like, I that one, I really sticks out to me because I I was like, man, there is so much of that, right? Because there's there's so much talk, 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 talk about these really, really grand ideas and and ethos and stuff like that, um, just in the world, but where's the action? And then there's a dude who's who's presumably the action, uh, and and he's a fraud, um, and that that that's so so interesting to me because we almost never get like a real hero. So I was wondering your thoughts on like like the 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 archetype of the hero, um, and and how that fits into your writing.
3: Yeah, I don't, man. I don't know if I've ever met a real hero. I don't, you know. There's the archetype, but I right. I don't know if I've ever seen it, so I can't.
0: There's more of the threesome dudes. Yeah, than there yeah, is. definitely. There are more
3: Natural frauds hero. than there are, you know. Yeah, than there are achievers or or legitimate people doing things. There's more talk than there is action in the world, and I think like even if I try to write, even if I try to write something that, that falls under some archetype or some idea of the hero or some idea of the way things should be. I'm foiled. I can't ever do it. I just end up coming back to, like, the disappointments that are universal, right? right? And and not to say that that's, like... I'm not trying to mean that as, like, in a negative way, but disappointment is a part of life, right? And I think that it's a major part of life. And, uh, and it occurs more than it doesn't. And I think there's some beauty in that, too. So I, I think even when I try to avoid that, it, it creeps its way back.
0: Yeah, I mean, is there... That's the thing, like what, what would a hero for you look like? Like what right now would be someone who either in real life could be classified as a hero or, or that, that we could we could look to as, as a hero, what would they have to do, you know, uh, who would they have be. to be?
3: Yeah, I don't know, just I think honesty and kindness are like the most reasonable traits of a hero. If you can find somebody who's like, you know, honest always and kind always, they don't have to be nice always, you know yeah. yeah but uh but if you can be honest and kind then you're as close to a hero as, as a human can get i think
0: yeah like Utred from the last um, the last uh fucking kingdom or whatever
3: i missed it it's all
0: right it's it, it, it's like a viking show i was thinking of doctor um, who but who yeah. Who,
2: literally the doctor literally says something so similar to what nate just said i was like yeah, oh, really. I've never said, watched uh, that. Yeah, n- always try to be nice and never fail to be kind. Um, and and there's a there's a huge distinction there, and I think you're absolutely right. I I mean, it's, f- it's difficult to write about people in general, much less trying to think up somebody who can fit into that archetype. perfectly.
0: I mean, not even to f- to fit in there. I'm always wondering like. Like every, I guess I was obsessed with that show Carnival. Like years and years after it came out, it was like a really, really fantastic show. And it basically was on the premise of there's essentially a, a a boon for for good and for evil in every generation. And like, you kind of look back through the years and and historically, there there really have been just these people that have risen up as one side or the other. And um, and I I, I always think and like look around and I, I, I'm like, man, like you know, they're they're, they're this has to exist because it's real you know we wouldn't have the archetype otherwise obviously um and and we can get into the collective unconscious and all that stuff but we don't really have to because it's just whether we believe it's (laughs) inborn (laughs) and it's a a surrounding us before we're even alive or uh if it's something that gets manifest once we're in society it doesn't really matter it's just they're they're there and and you know i think um especially in, in fucked up times we're looking around and I feel like the thing that we're missing is to just, to just be what you said, you know, kind and, and, and honest. Um, and, and you just think like if we held each other to that, it's almost like the masks right now. Like if we held each other to that, like how much better off we'd be. Um, that would be, so there Forget you go. That the, the mask is now the, the really metaphor good. for, uh, truthfulness really, and kindness. And some people just don't fucking get it <laughs>
1: at all. <laughs> Pieces of shit. Who was saying nose saying that? One of you guys? Nose-dicking? Yeah, just that's nose when you wear the mask r- right yeah. below your nose. People yeah. say that you're nose-dicking it, which is, yeah. which is hilarious.
0: Yeah, it's like having your dick outside yeah. your fly. Like Actually, so, you know, so I and, saw like, a meme that doing?
1: said, like, wearing a
0: mask
2: below the, your nose is like... snipping the tip off of a condom and i was in a supermarket at the beginning of this and there's some asshole with his nose hanging out and this lady's like is this where the line is i'm like yeah and i go would you look at this guy that's like he's cutting the tip off a condom and i got the whole line just laughing at this guy did you
1: you go back (laughs) say to try to (laughs) well done
2: well i was afraid i was like at that point i was like i don't know why i did that i hope he doesn't stab me
1: Sometimes,
0: sometimes you gotta be the hero. You know, you were, you weren't wearing a no, cape I that day, not. my friend. Nice, mm. nicely done.
2: So Nate, what let's talk about influence a little bit. Um, who were, who were the guys, not your favorite writers, but the, those that just, you saw something and you wanted to
3: see if you could do it. Let's see. Well, I mean, definitely influential as far as like writing about the Southwest goes, Edward Abbey um, is a huge inspiration or was, especially for a lot of these stories. I think, um, let's see, Lee K. Abbott, definitely not one of my favorite writers, but a writer.
1: Do you mind? I think that'd be, that's probably more important.
3: For Lee Abbott or for, well, Edward Abbey, I mean, just the, the sense of identity in the West and the sense of, um, the way that humanity and landscape sort of mirror and react to each other um, All right. is really interesting and beautiful to me. Um, Lee K. Abbott wrote these sort of bourgeois characters who lived in New Mexico. Um, but I love the way he wrote about the place, too, and he wrote about the people who were in the place. Um, so that, was, that work was pretty influential. And then, and then just like, I think a lot of you know, punk scenes about traveling and touring uh, really paved the way too uh, for what I was trying to do. It sort of um, created that reality of experience, uh, you know, being out on the road. And there's a certain energy in that that really resonates with me a lot. And I try to work that into, into my short stories. Uh, you know really uh, there you know some there's a story or two about touring as a writer I think that I did that because I was inspired by Aaron Comet bus and his sort of relentless self promotion and touring of of his zine Um, and I think those things even if I wasn't necessarily thinking about their language and their work as I was writing these stories I think they definitely pushed me toward writing these stories
0: any, uh, music that influenced it at all? You know, yeah. we are talking about punk and stuff like that.
3: Yeah. I mean, definitely. Um, I mean, crossover between music and a book, uh, Black Flag, definitely a huge influence. Henry Rollins, get in the van, big influence on yeah. a lot of the way I think, um, then the way that politics and experience come through punk in its many forms, uh, i don't know i mean when i think about i mean just a lot of fucking crust music a lot of (laughs) a lot of a lot of anarcho-punk um i mean yeah to
0: the to the complete converse of that i guess i i actually kept thinking of um like early modest mouse uh because there's like truckers atlas and all you know he's Uh, up in Washington and shit and and there's they toured relentlessly and there's so many songs that are just like about that you know lonesome crowded west and shit like that um I think he even has a line what
3: is it uh
0: uh he likes reading books about the scene or something like that and and that always stuck yeah
3: I mean I think I think in this book too I was really influenced and in all of my life by country music you know there there are a lot of references to country country western artists in the book um, and I think the way that country music deals with place too, and deals with heartbreak, um, within the context of the, of the places where you are, uh, is pretty important.
0: Yeah. Waylon being a preacher, right. That was, uh, that was, that was cool. I really liked that. The dude just didn't, didn't, didn't know. know Waylon Jennings was <laughs> yet. I was like, oh, there's two. Yeah. And then, <laughs>
2: Um, well, Nate, I think at this point we have to begin wrapping it up. Daniel, do you have any final questions or anything for Nate?
1: No, I mean, I, I want to thank him for uh, writing. This is pretty good. Uh, I'm glad to have read it. And, um, and I think it's the second best thing that Malvin House has published. (laughs) You see that? See, he got, that's good shit
3: right there. That's it. That that's see that's higher that's a higher ranking than I was <laughs> for the House, but I, I appreciate it. Because Nick published
1: two things, so he, now he's wondering. Yeah. Now oh, wondering. fucking bastard! You know
2: what? I thought I can't yeah. even like, when you when you say something nice, there always is a
1: stinger to you can it. Rest easy. Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah by know.
0: now, it's season four, episode <laughs> eleven. Nick,
1: I mean, that's come like, sure. on. I was At like, this come point. on, Chuck. Kick this football. <laughs> 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 Just
0: do it. Uh, and then give me a dime because we can yes. talk about it after. Um, yeah. I, I you know, I think I I asked uh, all my notes, everything that I that I had to say. I I really I guess the only thing I didn't I didn't ask you, Nate, was um you know, if um. There was a a a point like if there was like to go back to my metaphor of the rubber band ball was there like a, a an event a, a defining moment that sort of like um, uh, get imprinted on you your, I don't want to say rejection of, of religion if there was one or or, or your strong feelings towards it because there seems to be very strong. You know feelings in the, in a lot of these stories towards it, yeah. um, particularly that you know uh, Mormonism and, and things of that nature is almost a mocking quality to it throughout. So I, I was wondering if there was um, any singular thing, or, or that that just one day, or if it was over time. I
3: think it was it was more spread out over time. I grew up uh, Mormon, and I went on a Mormon mission. I was a missionary for two years, between 2007 and 2009, and I had this idea right throughout my whole life of like okay i'm gonna go i'm gonna go be a missionary and and my purpose is going to be to help people right and it didn't take long before i figured out like oh man maybe this isn't like really helping people (laughs) 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 and so that just you don't know until you're in it right yeah yeah
0: gotcha yeah because that that does seem like any of those like uh pilgrimages you know mm-hmm. those types of big events they they always seem to be the thing that that, that pushes people one way or the yeah, other
1: yeah. so you decided to be a writer to annoy yeah. people in a different way <laughs> <laughs> yeah guys you want to read my do you want to read definitely <laughs>
3: yeah i'm i'm really good at doing sales <laughs> i got this book that'll change your life man i've been saying that for longer than i've been writing <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. oh man that's the book <laughs> right yeah. there Well,
2: Nate, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, For all of our fan out there listening, this has been Nate Perkins, author of Cactus, Wallop, and the book we talked about today, The Way Cities Feel to Us Now. They are available widely, I believe. Right, Nate? Yeah, right on.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, He is
2: the editor-in-chief. Please do. do. They're excellent. Um, He is the the editor-in-chief of...
3: News. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: Sorry. Sorry.
2: he is the editor-in-chief of trident press which just released my new book and i can't thank you enough for doing that and for coming on and for being my friend i appreciate you
3: yeah happy to be here thanks for right having on. me on guys
0: All right, and now uh, let's jump into the records section here. We have another uh, wonderful guest on this indie showcase that Gregorio has put together for us. This is uh, Cody Bluett of the band Dweller. Um, their new album, Aquarium, is coming out. Uh, it's not out yet, correct? No, Cody, say not. hello.
4: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for having me. Nice. Like do we
0: do we have a release date?
4: Yeah, it's September 18th. September Fantastic.
0: 18th. And, and and is that going to be out on uh, Bandcamp?
4: Yeah, we're assigned to the label Forged Artifacts out of Minneapolis. Um, and so they're going to release it on tape and digital there, and hopefully on streaming services as well.
1: And if, Fantastic. if you can't uh, wait for it, like if you like what you're hearing today from this podcast, I already put it up on LimeWire, uh, <laughs> <laughs> share ShareBear, uh, Napster it. was wasn't working for me.
4: I'm all <laughs> for it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Napster's tapped out. Uh <laughs> oh <So wild. laughs> nah, wow. It's it's actually still one of the choices. Like if you so go weird. through a third party and try and put your stuff on streaming services, like Napster's one of the choices. So and there's like fourteen sense. Japanese sites. <laughs> like <Yeah>. it's uh <laughs> it's pretty wild. But in any case, let's um let's jump in here. So I am uh super excited to have you Um, on here with us today and you are a primary songwriter guitar and vocals for dweller
4: yeah it's me and my other friend luke harsell we've been playing music together since college we were in a band then um called family vacation and then as things as we graduated and things evolved we got a different rhythm section and with two of our best friends um yeah and that's that's where it is
1: so you're piece very
4: good yeah yeah, two, two guitars, two vocals, um, bass and drums. Very,
0: Very cool. Good. Awesome. So, uh, Nick, why don't you take it away? I know you got some some things uh, that you wanted to get yeah. into.
2: So, Cody, my friend. Um, so, just for the our fan, um, we have... <laughs> so, Cody is um, not only a musician and indweller. He is the art teacher at the school I teach at um he is a working active artist and painter in the local philadelphia area um and we have uh, an extremely multi-talented guest here fellas this is some exciting shit
0: this is incest Um, cast (laughs) <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I mainly just I booked Cody just so I could talk to him because we haven't seen
4: each other in like
2: <laughs> seven months. I know I miss months. our
4: lunchtime cigarettes every day. <laughs> right? That's like, what I'm saying. What do
2: do? <laughs> so let's talk about
4: Aquarium. You guys recorded this a while ago, right? Yeah, we finished recording it in I think January, but it was pretty much the majority of this past year.
2: And where'd you do the tracking,
4: Cody? Um, my friend or our good friend Justin Azario, he lives down in Westchester or he did at the time he actually just um, through all this COVID craziness he bought a house because they're all really cheap so Mm -hmm. he actually relocated his studio but he was in Westchester um, and had a studio set up in his basement and we've been great friends with him since college and working with him um, recording stuff so it's been a really nice relationship you know we've grown as musicians and songwriters and he's grown as a producer and uh, engineer it's been a really nice relationship. Yeah, well, sound sounded good on key. that. Yeah. Uh, That's yeah.
0: always the toughest, right?
4: Always, yeah. He's, he's a wizard, and he's super prepared. You know, we'd get there at, like, 10 in the morning and stay until 10 at night, do a full 12-hour thing. But he'd have the kit set up when we got there. Um, God bless him. I know his yeah. his his brother is an amazing drummer, Dan Azario, and he has a great kit. Um, and we used that on the record for a few songs, as well as our drummer John Kaiser's own kit. We would bring our st- our own stuff. So,
0: yeah, it's so tough to get a good a good sound, especially in a small room. If you got like a basement set up and stuff, and it came yeah. through good. I really I really was. uh It's always what I'm listening to. My ears like attuned for that. So, um, I was really I was really pleased when Nick sent the tracks and the and the drums came through like that. It's good stuff.
4: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah,
2: Nick himself Definitely. is is a is a drummer and he, he you know, I, that's
0: the only reason I know anything about <laughs> it.
2: Well, I'm just saying, I'm just i was going to say that, you know, his little tent pole in the in the old pantaloons when when you get to talk drums with somebody,
0: Nick. I, I yeah, that that's very true. I'm the <laughs> wrong guy true. to
4: talk drums about, <laughs> be honest. I don't know shit about the skins. <laughs>
0: You said skins, so you're further, than <laughs> yeah. you're further along the most. You're further along the most, my man.
3: Um,
2: so, Cody, tell us about Aquarium, where it came from, what this sound is, as described by
4: one of the songwriters. Um, I feel like on our first record, our self-titled, we had a bunch of songs and a bunch of tones and kind of a songwriting um, method that we kind of went through, but it wasn't very cohesive. It was just about, it was, the album was kind of just a collection of songs. And so for this record, I think we really tried to hone in and get a seamless, um, well, I I don't know if I can call it seamless, but we try to get as seamless as possible and a cohesive, um, collection of, of these songs that kind of tell a story. I have a tendency to write a lot of songs about, um, love relationships as, you know, a lot of songwriters do. Um, And so I had a bunch of songs that had kind of built up over time and taken on their own character while Luke also had a bunch of songs about similar things. And Luke and I lived together in college and then ended up living together for four years after college. So we we'd practice in our basement and be around each other all the time. So, um, yeah, I feel uh, the the term aquarium came from Luke, came from his song, uh, the song Aquarium, which is the second to last track on the on the record. And um, it just kind of stuck for us, this idea of uh, being an organism living inside of a glass box and moving through water and just uh, all these kinds of metaphors for um, looking at ourselves through a specific lens, you know, trying to, ideas of isolation and um, love experience, love loss, those kinds of things, which on one hand sounds cliche, but we tried our best to... uh, focus on the music more so i think than than anything else the actual sound of things and how it all fit together so nice yeah
0: it's tough if you start getting muddled in what you're going for as opposed to focusing on how it sounds with the album you 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 can really get lost real quick right
4: yeah yeah exactly i think what what clicked for me too it, it took a while to kind of feel like everything was really gelling together but for me it was um the album art and i was a collection a series of acrylic paintings that i did drawings and paintings and um trying to abstract the idea of what an aquarium is or how it applies this kind of like you know uh, micro ecosystem and yeah i don't know no yeah that makes sense yeah visual guy being a painter so for me that's where it really clicked and everything started to fall into place i think
2: actually i love that painting i um i i got the i had the privilege of watching cody put that album cover together over some some time i think while we were i don't know just fucking around <laughs> at work
4: <laughs> absolutely yeah
2: so um uh, <laughs> it's,
4: it was a nice little escape from the state of education that is uh that uh, is our current state but we won't uh, get into that
2: Nah, not today not today okay <laughs> um Terrific. Um,
0: Let's get gentlemen. into the uh, the album. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't I don't know what you know you guys um, uh, past work is because this is the only experience I have with um, with Dweller, um, but it was really interesting to see just kind of like you start with that instrumental and then and then like the listener literally has kind of no idea um what's going to come next especially when the vocals do come in and stuff like that so i was wondering if you could um you know speak to that a little bit if there was uh, a choice there if that just sort of organically kind of manifested itself as to the track
4: for sure i feel like that that first song is a bit of an outlier for us uh musically but it's kind of going in a direction that um we're still trying to uh, figure out and discover and explore um so luke kind of came in with a uh kind of a, a guitar part and a structure and then we just kind of ran with it and just be, kind of came this like you know the most uh, the closest thing we've ever come to like a metal song before without being metal um <laughs> and it was such an outlier and so like abrasive and caught people's attention you know it was, it was something that was very like composed whereas sometimes uh especially when we play live you know things kind of take their own form but um I don't even remember who it was. One, one of my bandmates was just like, yeah, we should have that song first and like immediately cut at the very end to uh, that other song, uh, Blue Van Black Sky, this kind of like driving rock, traditional kind of rock song. And I was immediately I was like, absolutely. Yes, done. That's that's a great idea. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I can't take definitely. credit for that. I'm not sure whose whose idea that was, but it worked. out I think it worked out pretty well. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you guys appreciated that
0: yeah that's a that's a great coupling i literally i don't know if if you guys um you know uh, have a the diverse set of influences among you or if it, if there is sort of like a core of, of of music that you listen to but like i've been getting into a lot of um sort of atmospheric uh like post-punk and things like that and there's a lot of these sort of wild musicians that start to show up and and that first track reminded me of like this will destroy you and and um uh this this Japanese artist uh uh Harumi Hosano and, and, and some of these others that like are were doing similar stuff and and I was like, oh wow this is this is pretty wild and then you get into the the next one and it just reminded me of like a, a track off of You Forget It and people from like Broken Social Scene or something like that, which was a cool, you know, sort of like pairing. Um and it, it was it was really it was really neat to kinda like ride that wave a little bit because um yeah just the not knowing. What was gonna come next when you realize that? Wait, there's definitely gonna be vocals on this at some point, like, and then when they come, in, it changes it significantly.
4: Totally, yeah, I, yeah. I'm a huge "This Will Destroy You" fan. They're they're one of my favorites, and um, nice. Uh, the motherfucker yeah. talks about them all the time. It's like no eight, shit. Eight points, well, I was, you know, was gonna wear. Time. I was gonna wear the. There, I have a T-shirt of theirs because that was actually one of the, <laughs> that the one of the first shows we crazy. went to as a band together was to see them play at uh, at the church here in Philly and it was just such a fucking rad show and they're just so I heavy imagine, and yeah. so emotional you know And um, so I think that was a good bonding experience that has totally informed uh, especially this record compared to the last record of wanting to be heavier and how to use that kind of heavy sonic texture to create that uh, some more emotional content well it's yeah. certainly heavier than the last record which as you know I, I
2: I was all about, um, you know what? I, I was detecting Cody, and and I could be totally off base because you know I'm, I'm more grounded in in heavier, faster music. Um, so the, it's some of the the chord progressions and changes struck me, and I guess the only word I could think of was like psychedelic. Um, and I and I was just thinking, I was like, this is like, I don't smoke psychedelic. Weed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like it didn't. Like I felt like I wanted to get real high, and listen to this record. Yeah, and (laughs) and there it is, right there. That's wonderful. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't typically get high, so I think that's a high compliment. Hey, there it is. Um.
0: He had that written for days.
4: Yeah,
2: I did. I fucking did not.
0: we believe you not
4: yeah Um, to to that effect it's like going from from like post-rock like atmospheric like post-punk and going into like psychedelic and folk music i i feel like there's like a happy medium in there and um we me and my bandmates we all listen to all different kinds of music you know and so i think it kind of bleeds it and tends to leak over in certain areas when songwriting you know because i i i come from a a folk bluegrass background is kind of what I, I was grew gonna. Up with.
0: Sorry, did not no, mean no, go to, ahead, to, no. to interject. I was literally gonna say, um, you know, do you do you listen to like Toy Soldiers from Philly and stuff like that? Like, yeah. I totally. was getting Dude, a very very Toy Soldier vibe. That's so at one funny. Point.
4: My my senior year prom, the lead guy from Toy Soldiers came and played an acoustic set by himself, like in our Gallo! cafeteria He's... or whatever. Yeah, ga- yeah, exactly. And then we ended Gallo's up. A man. I ended up staying in touch with him, and we played with him at. Um, uh, it's some park in West Philly, I forget. Um, Clark Park. Clark Park, yeah, yeah. They used to have a festival there every summer, so we played with Toy Soldiers there, and so yeah, totally. Um,
0: yeah, they're great, man. I I definitely was getting that that vibe. Uh, er, the earlier stuff too, um, when they were like a three piece. I don't know if that's when you you were hanging out. With, I played with them at the Fire when they were three piece too, and and nice. I was definitely getting that. I was I was like, what is that band that I'm remembering right now when I'm listening to this, and it was them.
4: Well, that's awesome. That's a great compliment. Thank you. They're they're a great band.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's he's prolific too.
4: Yeah. What are you drinking, Cody? What
2: is that? Uh, the shape of hops to come. Oh,
4: yeah. nice!
0: <laughs> Look, I got into
2: Chamonix Creek too. <laughs> hey,
4: well done, Nick. I, I was listening you to with Refuse earlier. To this beer because this beer <laughs> ah. is the best beer. Yeah, they do a really nice job It's over like there. the sneakiest 8.7% ever. Yo,
2: their beer will fuck you
4: up, and you won't even know it. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs>
0: until you do. Until yeah, so you stand until up
4: to go take a leak, and you'll stumble. <laughs> yeah, you put your
2: foot in the toilet. Um, anyway, uh, so... Where does the country bluegrass come from, Cody? Is that where your 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 folks, where you're from? What's
4: that? Uh, it all goes back to my dad. So my my dad's a luthier. He builds stringed instruments for a living. Um, Blue Brothers violins, shout out. Um, <laughs> go check it out on bluebrothersviolins.com. Um, but he's he's been building uh, guitars, violins, cellos, mandolins um, for 36 years now. I think something like that, wow. and he. Him and my mom run run the family business, and the shop was, you know, three blocks from my house growing up. And um, so, before I was born, my dad used to do all these bluegrass festivals throughout the summers and spring, and bring a tent, sell his instruments, do repairs, bow or herring, all that kinds of stuff. Um, and so, once I was like 13, 14 years old, every summer we'd go, and we went for maybe like four summers in a row. Um, And so i was just surrounded by bluegrass and folk music Um, i actually started i didn't start playing guitar guitar wasn't my first instrument i started playing mandolin when i was like i think it was like eight years old or something like that um and i thought it was you know i was just like oh, i'll play the mandolin because nobody else plays mandolin that's cool and then i was like wow there's not and then i turned like 13 14 i was like well i no nobody wants to play with me because i play (laughs) the mandolin and nobody knows what that is or knows how to play along with that so i'll i guess i'll pick up a guitar and Learned some of that. And,
0: and you have Carpal so. Tunnel at age 12.
4: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. That's, that's where the bluegrass comes from, just being surrounded by um, all these musicians that my dad knew. He'd have like, you know, once a month music night. I'd sit in with that. And um, I would take, I took, I eventually did take guitar lessons at his shop. There's lessons out of the, out of the shop. Um, and I took lessons from a classical guitarist. He had a master in classical, classical guitar. What was his name? Aaron Gainer, I think. Um so yeah, that's that's kind of where all that started. And then I was in high school and my bassist, who I've actually known since I was a little kid, we grew up together. Um in York, we, right? In York, Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah. We did we didn't actually play as a band until he joined Dweller cuz he moved from Kutztown where he went to school to Philadelphia. He works at World Cafe Live. Um And so, but in high school, we started playing music together. He plays bass, I play guitar. And so we started covering songs and playing along. And um, yeah, from there, I just got into a bunch of uh, indie folk, indie rock music. Like, you know, like I was a huge Noah and the whale fan started wearing skinny jeans, wearing moccasins, you know, went through that whole hipster phase. (laughs) And um, uh, yeah. Was that
2: before or after after your uh, professional
4: pogo career? That was smack dab in the middle. <laughs> I, love all, love all that. Well, let, I didn't let, know you could pogo in moccasins. It's hard, but you
2: can
0: <laughs> Let okay. me ask you this. If you're from York, were you from the part of York known as Shittown or were you on the other side of that road there?
4: I was on the other side of that road in the in more I was like right outside the city in a little section called Elmwood. Okay, um, which was a great neighborhood to grow up in, but uh, no, not Shittown.
0: <laughs> I remember f- I played a show in York, and a dude took me out, and he went, you realize you're on the street that separates Shittown from the rest of York? And I was like, no, sir, I, I did not know that. I thought you were going to kill me. I, I just was along for the ride there.
4: Yeah, there's some street on the other side of York College that everyone's like, yep, that's, that's where it's shit. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: <laughs> and And live wrote a song about it, yeah
2: yeah you know our- fir- our our very first episode we did uh a live record, and mental jewelry, yeah yeah, and Nick talked about shittown uh as part of york p a and then when I met Cody two years ago and he said he was from york and i go Shittown, <laughs> and he's like what the fuck are you talking about you asshole i just met you <laughs> it's not
0: nice at all
4: i feel like Shittown only exists for people in york if, you, if you're living there from like 18 to 24 you know what i mean because that's <laughs> the only reason you'd ever be in shit town in york is if you're trying to like party and you know smoke S- weed save and... some dough yeah <laughs> yeah exactly living in a shitty one bedroom apartment, you know, that kind of stuff. Of course.
0: (laughs) So, um, I guess I had a question just regarding, um, you know, what it's like to be, obviously you're uh, a teacher as well and things of that nature, but like, you know, you're, you're still really working and putting out albums and things of that nature. Um, how is it how is it now like you know i I remember years ago really feeling like being in a band was a blue collar job and you had to tour 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 like what does it feel like right now to be putting out an album and to kind of be looking at the prospect of of not really maybe be being able to tour until next summer you know it's like a year that we really are in the unknown right now you know i mean i just got um some intel from um you know r5 that was like if there isn't a lot of money sent to a lot of independent venues by october 90 percent of the venues in america are going to close like they won't make it past that and um that was really disheartening you know because i gotta say i go to probably a show a week um and i you know used to play far more um but that is a really big part of of my life and and just as a as a musician you know what what's the prospect look like
4: uh yeah well you know bluntly it fucking sucks the whole situation really sucks I mean we were supposed to put our record out back in June or may sometime like that and we ended up pushing it uh, pushing it back until September and kind of staggering some releases but um yeah it's super disheartening I mean I think to look on the bright side of it um, me and my bandmates are pretty uh, relatively introverted people you know we're all really close (laughs) friends with each other and so that's not going to stop us just because we can't play live shows doesn't mean we won't make music you know we just as much as like playing shows was our once a month you, you know we'd book a show once a month and did that for the last like three years and we wanted that, that was our opportunity to be social and to really express ourselves and share the things we've been working on just us in a tight knit group. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, l- luckily there are ways to still try and make it survive, you know, the industry. Um, all of the yeah. profits from our sales through forged artifacts, our label is being donated to the national independent venue association, um, and we're going to donate to specific venues, but then also it gives opportunity to, to kind of sell merchandise in a different way. Cause we up until, you know, we've been kind of building, we've only had one other album before this and, you know, we only had our music printed on cassette tapes so and nobody fucking buys cassette tapes. So it's like, <laughs> uh, but now it's like, I, I have a little bit more of a cohesive, like aesthetic, uh, visual art vision on, um about this record and so we have plans to like you know once a month like we're going to print some t-shirts and donate that to a specific cause and then hopefully get cds printed and then all the sales from that or we're going to donate that to a cause because i think it's different for us too as a band we all have pretty much nine to five jobs you know we're working steady and so music is and uh making records and songs and songwriting and this kind of like expressive outlet is really just us hanging out and so it doesn't feel like work; it's not a grind. Whereas I know a lot of, a lot of independent musicians work and tour, like you were just talking about, tour relentlessly in order to make ends meet and get their name out there, so they can be in a financially stable situation. Luckily, we're um, we all have jobs that are kind of like just on the outskirts of relating to those topic you know, to the topic of music, you know, and how we can <laughs> apply those skills. But you know, I this through this entire time, I've. Been feeling so fortunate that, uh, like Nick and I, you know, we have stable jobs. We're still getting a paycheck right now, and I can say the same for my bandmates too. And so, we're we're just so unbelievably fortunate. So moving forward, um, I don't really know how much changes for us personally, just because we aren't renting from a serious. Um, seriously expensive recording studio we're just working with our really good friend in his home recording studio and we're kind of doing that in tandem and i think honestly more than anything this songwriting is going to change because my creative motivation for the last six months has been like below zero you know it's it's tough
0: yeah it's tough. yeah so that's so. What, that was going to be my follow-up but like you know we're looking at the prospect of not being able to play shows which for many bands many musicians like you said is the livelihood and also just sort of like the the thing that that is the motivator you know in a lot of ways and um and and sort of in a lot of ways too, the inspiration you know and and so you know that notwithstanding like if we're looking at moving forward and, and thinking about like what we're going to be writing about and, and, and what kind of music, you know, is going to be on the horizon. Have, have you started to see glimpses of that? Or has it been just literally like you were saying, just a creative output of zero and, and, and just really just, you know, the tank is empty kind of.
4: Yeah. Well, I, I, besides writing music with Dweller, I do a lot of like ambient experimental um, like field recording, sound composition kind of things like that. And that's, that's more closely related, I think, me personally to like my my visual art that i make my paintings but um so there has been some of some of that you know this kind of like home recording studio which i think even in the last 10 years has taken off an ex in a, like an exorbitant amount you know what i mean the kind of idea of like bedroom pop or bedroom rock or people just you know you look at people like um like alex g um i don't know if you guys listen to alex g but he literally no. just records in his he just records in his bedroom he's used the same microphone forever but he's a now he's on guy, like right? yeah and he's recorded like i don't know it's like 12 or 13 albums now at this point but it's it's always just been him and his instruments and his microphone in his bedroom and you know it started out that way and now it, it still is that way but he's signed to like domino records and is recording with people like um like Frank Ocean he's like guesting on on guitar and songs for him you know and so it's like i think the idea of home recording is Already kind of established in a place where it's pretty comfortable for people. Once they're, once we all get beyond a certain uh, mental coping of the situation, that I think that there will be a big, explosive creative energy that's gonna happen. I don't really know what that looks like or what it's gonna sound like, but um, that's something you know. It's pretty exciting, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like you know, silver lining. It's light at the end of the tunnel.
0: yeah yeah yeah, well
4: that's actually
2: what i've been i don't know sort of looking forward to there are very few things to look forward to at the moment you know what i mean and i think in my mind it's always been okay people are getting creative people are being innovative people are doing different things to survive people are hanging out with friends in different ways than they did before you know what i mean like sitting in a in a fucking parking lot and just 10 feet away from each other and talking like that might seem like a simple thing but it, it, it's getting it's breaking people's brains out of the standard of the way things were and i think we are gonna look at some really interesting shit that that happens whenever <sighs> you know whenever we we have some so- semblance of, of normalcy um, yeah but I find that to be, like you said, it's a silver silver lining. But like, you know, when when is that gonna when is that gonna happen? Who the fuck knows, because nobody wears a fucking mask.
4: Absolutely, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and and yeah, more spe- more specifically, with with music, it's like the music industry has already been pretty much broken at this point. You know, it's already yep. a pretty fucked up space <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's yeah. like um it's just pushing it to the limit it's such a shame though all these like you were saying all these independent venues are, are really struggling because they they can't hold shows and it's kind of just gonna push the limits of how we interact with music at home you know um and we're yeah because
2: late. if i see one more white guy playing acoustic guitar and singing into his fucking webcam i'm gonna fucking lose it Dude, I cannot
4: fucking stand the live stream shit. <laughs> it's so bad. Nobody wants to watch the the four squares on a computer screen and pretend like they're at a concert. Like, that's fucking bullshit.
2: Also, nobody wants to hear your dumb Sublime cover.
1: Like, stop it. <laughs> yeah. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. No one's making you watch them, Nick. <laughs> You flip, you scroll through Facebook you know, and does and 30
0: ounces to freedom one time, and he just doesn't hear the end of it. I just, I was drinking 40s. I was pretty into it because I had just learned it. You know, it's like, come on, give me a fucking break.
2: Like, come on! So, yeah. If you're gonna do anything, play Crash by DMB. You know, do
0: something good. <laughs> DMB, <laughs> D- Jesus, he said DMB. You D- know, we
4: practiced. We, uh, me and the shit. me and the other dweller guys, we practiced for like the second. We didn't play together for like four months, and then we finally rented a practice space, and we played together for like the second time there last week. And Luke, uh, the other songwriter in my band, was like, "Yeah, guys, we should we should cover a Sum forty one song." And there was just like a good like ten second pause where we were all like. What? <laughs> what? And then we were all like, well, it's fucking quarantine. Why not? That sounds kind of fucking like, who cares? Fuck it. Those guys yeah. have
0: been, uh, or no, not those guys. Goldfinger has been, been dominating the quarantine uh, live yeah. cast scene.
2: They sure have. They got that one Tony Hawk pro skater tune, and nobody forgot. And I like that band, so fuck it.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, they seem like they would yeah, definitely be shit. a band you like.
2: Although John I mean, Feldman, betcha. like, records, like, um, like Kesha and shit now.
0: Really? Like
2: the, yeah, like, he's a big time. Wow. Well, yeah.
0: Ke- Ke- Kesha's garbage, let's be honest. She's, hey, uh, fuck, Kesha was
2: a fucking... Gr- she's, she's,
0: <laughs> we're shit. not going to even discuss... <laughs> I don't even want to... I
4: am going to talk about it. It's a good deal. Kesha, Kesha now?
0: Any like, sort who of... Has, uh,
4: who has heard that name in... Three years, like oh Christ, you guys. She's on. She's on a steady
0: repeat at Gregorio's house, apparently.
4: No,
2: see, here's the thing. I am like she's on there. I am unfortunately tuned into what um, people in the mainstream music industry are listening to, and Kesha is huge.
0: Two thousand eight.
2: No, she reinvented (laughs) herself after that whole court case in which she was being sexually
4: abused by her producer. Oh Jesus. Um, yeah. <laughs> I forgot that happened. That's awful. Thanks. And like, well, Thanks, good man. for her for coming out of that. Like, a, you well, know, she doesn't reborn, do her whole like, like Phoenix.
2: She doesn't do like the, the crunk pop anymore, but she, I'm telling you, she's enormous. Like, her and, uh, I mean, you know, T Swift. Gotta got to, be up on T Swift for fuck's sake.
0: I think we've gone off the rails here. <laughs> I'm not but, sure what you are talking but, about. Yeah, I'm not even sure where we're at because there's. You're you're not, uh, Cody, producing any any cottage pop in the near future, are you?
4: God, I wish. <laughs>
0: That's something <laughs> no one could foresee.
4: I love that cottage pop. I'm gonna steal that. <laughs> Thank you. Well,
0: um, let me ask you though. Like uh, in in doing this, did you find in, in making this record that there was. Um, anything that surprised you, you know, like, um, perhaps influences or, or, or songs that sort of like came out of left field or surprised you in, in putting together the album, was there anything that, um, you know, really interested you? Cause it, there's a lot of times when you're, you've been playing with people for a, a while and, you know, you get into a rhythm with them and, and, and you, you do, it feels comfortable, but were there any tracks on this that you felt kind of pushed you guys?
4: Uh, yeah, I think, I think several tracks, um. The one that comes to mind, I think, that had the most. Well, there's, there's two. Uh, the one, the one track just took me rewriting it like seven times is "Fraud." Um, I think it's like mm. four or five on the album. Yeah, it's five. Um, yeah, it's fraud? a, it's a. What's is that? it called, Master Fraud or Fraud? The, they're, all fraud. they're all called Master. They're all called Master. It's masters. a Master <laughs> yeah.
1: of Master of the album. <laughs> it's the <laughs> Master Master. You know, that's the only one where I was master like, Oh, track. Fraud Master. That's. That's great. That sounds way more <laughs> badass. Yeah, well, you can
2: still change. But in it, this maybe. case, it'd be Fraud Master Master. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. That's what the strangly guitar on it. So that was a great, that was a great moment on the album.
4: Thanks. Yeah, it. Yeah, the, there's like the little ending. Uh, there's like a little outro, like instrumental, and that actually was the the root of like the the verse for the song forever. And I've got like several like old demos where it, that song has just changed so much. Um, But, uh, what clicked for, uh, it's like every song, it's like very related to a specific other song or a specific artist that I'm trying to kind of, uh, embody. And that's just how I work. Cause I listen to so much music and, you know, I'll hear something and be like, oh, I want to write a song like that. And I was listening to, uh, uh, the album sleep well beast by the national. And it was just kind of, um, so much of that record is like, so heartbreaking in this kind of like you know, um yeah Matt Berninger's like deep baritone voice and I know I don't have that voice but I just wanted to kind of create that kind of uh atmosphere in in that song I don't know if it came across but it was what ended up was 10 times better than where it had been you know seven times previously so um that one kind of also also I there was like this super overdrive and like uh reverse delay going on in the intro and uh Justin was in the studio and he was like yeah just like just 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 start screaming and so i just started screaming into my electric guitar pickups and that's what you can kind of hear in the background of there it's like all this weird shit and i'd never done that before i completely blew out my voice i was glad i was done vocals for the day by that point but um so (laughs) yeah i i'd say that one surprised me and also the song tiber because i wrote that song forever ago i and it's named after the tiber river in rome italy because i studied abroad there and i was going through um some serious emotional shit at the time and i wrote that song and it had taken on several iterations and finally come to fruition um on this record in in the way i wanted it to i was listening a lot to the band avlov which are just they're heavy as shit and their guitars are amazing i don't know if you guys know that band but no i'm not familiar Mm -mm. avlov go listen to them they're fucking badass uh nick you'll love it yeah it sounds fast and heavy you know um, yeah, I'm
2: writing it down right now. And
4: so we were recording that one, and I was like, it's just it's just not heavy enough. You know, it's like, I want this to be, like, fucking heavy. And uh, Justin's like, oh, well, you know, um, I forget. We were, like, planning to come down. He's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I just got this, like, uh, this amp from my buddy that I went to school with that I grew up with. And it's, like, this handmade uh, guitar amp. Um i'm blanking on i think i think it was called tyrant but it was in this like dark walnut uh wood frame like all hand built and it's like a stack it was like up to my shoulders and uh he was like yeah just put your guitar into this thing and it was just perfect the tone out of it was just nice warm and loud and just it was everything i wanted out of out of a guitar tone you know um so yeah yeah i'd say those those two songs surprised me the most
2: Nice, nice, very good. Daniel, have you anything to
1: say for fuck's sake? <laughs> I think the album was good. <laughs> um, no, I, I didn't really find an opportunity to jump in. I was listening to to Cody's answers. He's, he's got shit to say about his stuff. Um, That's true. So my, um, I guess, impression of it overall, besides it was good. Uh, it reminded me of kind of early... And this is a stupid thing. I hate saying oh your band remind me of this other band cuz it's 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 almost no, like
4: i mean it it's stupid in certain contexts but in this context it's not stupid at all i mean i want to hear your opinion of what you, it's always valuable to hear other people's opinions about what your music sounds like cuz as someone who plays it and writes it i have no fucking idea what my music like you know everyone's like what genre of music do you play bro and i'm like dude i don't fucking know i just play guitar man <laughs> guitar <laughs> um so it reminded
1: me of have you ever heard of kings of leon yeah yeah okay so i speak um so before uh, sex is on fire when they were just you know young because elderly, of the they, times yeah yeah i'm like wait that's what? the
0: album before that sex is on fire album yeah i was like what are you talking about because of the before times. the shark was jumped because of the times is a fantastic album
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. so that sound of uh, it sounded a little bit more earnest little more honest um, also with that kind of darkness of Black Rebel Motorcycle Club uh, from the early O's as well I guess around 6 and 7 whatever album came out then um, it seemed like something sneaky and dark was happening but like nothing bad just yeah. the way uh the word I'm looking for not sneaky you're a writer Nick What's it? Give me a Which synonym. one? There's two. I, I know. It's, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to use an economy of language here. The Royal <laughs> Nick.
2: <laughs> uh, slippery. Um, I'd go
0: with slippery I mean? a little bit. Can like, I mean? like
1: unassuming? No, no, that's the wrong one.
0: Okay. This is the wrong Nick is what it was.
4: Yeah, I don't, <laughs> no, I I love that though. I mean, was, like I know I know of both those bands you just mentioned, but I don't actively listen to them. Yeah. Nor have I like kind of ever actively listened to them. So Your I I love sex that. Is
1: you on know fire. what I mean? Well, that's not the one though. That's not the one though. That's not it. I mean, no, that is the band, but that's not the sound. Um, there was something almost dangerous, you know, uh, which was good. You know, nothing seemed. Don't take this the wrong way. Nothing was like, holy shit, what are they doing? You know, that's crazy. But nothing seems safe, though, either. You know, it didn't seem like the choices yeah. were. Uh
0: well, it wasn't predictable.
1: There we go. That's Is that what you going for? Sneaky works in that case. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but sneaky seems like, oh, I don't know. It doesn't seem. No, I the, like uh, it. All right. koi are you going for koi no it wasn't bashful you know it wasn't oh me there wasn't a <laughs>
0: you didn't expect me to do that did you sir? oh, oh your ears are, are like your ears tasty, ears like, all tickly like right now
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> what you say
4: sneaky
2: I'm anybody gonna... have anything else to say
0: <laughs> well i was gonna ask you know because this is an indie showcase um if there were uh, sort of like indie acts around that 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 you also wanted to 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 perhaps shout out, you know, talk about the uh, the the music world of Philly. I know we mentioned Toy Soldiers already and stuff like that. I think Gallo's got a, enough fans for for, <laughs> for a while. But uh, you know, if there was if there was anything else that you wanted to um, perhaps shout out there, you know, for the, for for this being a showcase, um, perhaps bands that Dwellers play with or anything like that.
4: For sure. Well, our uh, our bassist um, and some of our, well, Luke still lives with uh, the guitarist of this band, the um, the Groove Merchants. They're a wonderful blues rock jazz fusion kind of band. Um, they put on a great live show, uh, and our bassist John Evan Groom plays in that band. Um, so they actually just started playing some shows again recently, but they they were on like you know, two gigs every weekend for a while for the last four or five years and so this kind of put them oh man yeah yeah but um they're an awesome band check them out um and our friends the tisbury's up in mani pa uh tisbury many yeah those guys are great tyler uh ac he's a good friend of ours also works with justin i i think he actually they actually just put out it was either a single or a new record i know that they put out a video for a single they just came out with last week um Check them out. The Tisburys, they're, they're wonderful too. We've played a bunch of shows with those guys. Um, and our buddy Justin finally has a name for his studio that we, or Justin Nazaria that, that we work with, uh, Sound Splitter Studio, and I actually just did uh, an illustration for his logo. Um, so his website, I don't know if it's up and running now, but it should be soon. He's got an Instagram going on. But, um, yeah, he's 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 doing great things. So check that out as well. Awesome. There is no way to slow
2: Cody, do you want to talk about some beer for a little bit? Sure, yeah. Let's do that. So tell me how I so wonderfully introduced you to Neshaminy Creek Brewing.
4: Uh, we went there for uh, actually, I think it was before this, but we did go there for a coworker happy hour at some point. Yeah, the fucking to, did. I fucking forced that shit. Um, yeah, you did. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. You just you give me random beers, like literally every time I see you now because that's we true. don't see each other very often. So that's also I'm true. So so <laughs> appreciative. <laughs> yeah. Like like the the other one, I I I just tried a a black IPA. I didn't even know what it was. Like I couldn't read the yeah. label. It was all black, and I was like, "What the fuck?" What the yeah, was that was Treehouse, baby. Nice. Yeah. yeah.
2: You're yeah. welcome. You're you're, you're my How go-to beer not?
4: guy. You know, yeah.
2: But, I'm trying to work off those COVID beard pounds at the moment.
4: Over the last six months, six nine months, you know, I've been working to get beyond the hams beer life of, of upgrading <laughs> myself, upgrading my diet to something hams more palatable.
2: Is, hams is is pretty shitty, but it's good.
4: <laughs> it's shitty in all the great ways. It's got I, like I wanted hint to of make gasoline like gasoline um, to it. Yeah, nothing sure goes better than a bogan and a hams.
2: <laughs> I wanted to make a couple like five second hams ads and just put them on the internet like um it's just it starts with a shot of a toilet and then a dude just runs in and throws (laughs) up all over it then the hams logo comes up
4: (laughs) it's excellent i love it yeah
2: i don't know i thought it was funny nick you drinking anything over there besides a giant fucking thing of water
0: oh yeah so i i made myself um I made myself uh, sort of a mixed drink. It was uh, uh like I was saying some tequila, fresh lime and uh some uh, uh grapefruit hard seltzer. Um so it's a, a a a true paloma is what I like to call it cuz it's truly. But I didn't have a beer on me uh today cuz I knew you were going to be uh rocking some some brew, so I figured I would just uh Pour myself a a tall one and uh, and coast on that. Yeah, very
2: good, Daniel. You got a seltzer
1: over there? I do have a seltzer. I knew it. It's uh the uh, Target brand, Good and Gather, strawberry mango <laughs> sparkling <laughs> water. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Look at you,
4: sparkling <laughs> wild water. Friday night for Daniel. I thought this podcast was book record beer.
0: <laughs> yeah. We, uh, well, well, I've come. had several Yeah, d- d- uh, Nick's, Nick's got the, uh, the beer on lock on this one Typically, we are in my basement and many beers in by now <laughs> yeah. um, But the, the COVID has left us remote And so like getting the beers that are chosen for the episode to one another Has uh, proved to be somewhat of an arduous task Given schedules yeah. and stuff like that at this point So what is the beer, Nick? Why don't you bring us to it?
2: So, <clears throat> I have two because it's an indie showcase. I wanted to do a couple. And he so held the first up four fingers. This e- That's four, though. That's, yeah, it is four. <laughs> That's four. I have two. So, <laughs> um, for the first one I have, it's called Devil Level. It's from Hidden River Brewing Company. Hidden River is... Uh, If you're familiar with 422, and anybody around here thinks it's the worst road in the world, so hop on 422 and you travel away from Philadelphia, pretty much out to uh, close to Pottstown region. There's this little haunted-ass house brewery that has several rooms that are filled with Bookshelves. I mean, you could call each of those rooms individual libraries. They're wonderful, and and they encourage you to take books. Unless I read the sign or made the sign up or something, because I've stolen books from there. Um, (laughs) Anyway, Devil Level is a is a double IPA. It is dank as shit. Um, Have you already drank it? Oh yeah, I've been drinking all night, man. What are you talking about?
0: No, I know. I just, uh, I didn't know if you had, you had gotten into the actual, the actual piece.
2: You may recall um, during pre-show where I took a sip of that like thick-ass yellow beer.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I yeah.
2: said, oh, fuck. Yes. Fuck. That's, that was it.
0: That was the one. Got it. That was Got it. it.
2: Um, Nick, don't pretend like you don't make that noise
4: every time you sip a beer.
0: That's,
2: <laughs> it's, it's not, yeah, I do like just generally things. So yeah, you're not wrong. Um so if if all of our fan listening uh, doesn't know what when I refer to beer as dank it it's sort of like that uh sweaty gym sock taste um but it's so good <laughs> it's so good <laughs> literally has a
4: hint of like a, a joint that uh, like the roach yeah. is still on the in the dash tray from like two weeks ago it's like it's well i wouldn't know
2: that. that but people have related it to that and yeah. i can tell and like it just it feels like th- initially you'll have a beer like that and you go oh that's not good that's not good at all this is old and then you start to really like it and my god This is one of those beers. They actually just brought Devil Level back out. Hidden River is one of the breweries that typically doesn't repeat recipes. They'll always do something new on their releases. So the fact that they repeated something is pretty big. Oh. Um, Second, I have from, coincidentally enough, Neshaminy Creek, which I popped over there today to do some writing in their beer garden, which because the forecast scared everyone away i was at a picnic table in a parking lot by myself for two hours and it was spectacular um nice they've released their what they typically have at this time of year is Creekfest, which is sort of like their um uh german beer hall type of celebration where people get real drunk and they make classic styles of beer to usher in the soon to be fall and this is Creek Fest Beer Lager, which is a traditional Marzen. It's malty. It's sticky. It's light, sweet. Everything you want in a really tasty lager without that disgusting um, back-tongue funk that you get from bad beer.
0: What's the uh, What's the alcohol on that?
2: That is just a 5.2%. Right on. Devil level, however, is eight point seven. So I am feeling pretty good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Nicely done. Yeah, um, yeah. Both those are are fantastic. I think we have done. Do we do shape of hops to come from the Creek? I, th- I feel like we did in the Creek before. Yeah, I think, I it think was we've. One.
2: Yeah, I think yeah. we've done the Chamonix a couple times, just because I typically have them in my fridge.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and I think the well, just because the shape of hops is like, you know, a direct connection to refuse, right? So we like, did I thought, um
2: right, and they're they're super punk over there, like they're they're awesome. Yeah, um, oh, I yeah. think we did shape of haze to come, which is their their hazy IPA uh, variant on that recipe.
0: Nice. Yeah, Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Yeah. Um yeah, I I would say so I this is just uh to sort of like wrap up our, our, our beer section here and everything like that. Um what is your ideal beer for the summer? For like uh the end of the summer right now. We're all teachers, we all have in the back of our minds the return, and this is a much different one than usual, but I know around this time I'll usually go and buy Sort of like Nick's, Nick's grab bag of things that he really likes to finish out strong. Plus, next week's my birthday. Like, mid-August is my birthday. So, I, I often will, will have quite a few brews because of that occasion. Same um, So, yeah. Nice. When's your birthday,
4: dude? 15th.
0: No shit. That's crazy. My, uh, my buddy, the other English teacher at my school, is the 10th. My sister's the 11th. I'm the 12th. My uh, wife is the 16th. Goddamn. And you're the, the f- 15th. How about that? Absolutely. Wow. That's a whole week of, what are the a week of wild. It's a <laughs> yeah. whole week
4: of down and brews.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'll be honest. Mine is, is typically the, I like the Sierra Nevada Tropical Torpedo around this time. I think it's a really tasty brew. I think you can always get it, which I really like. And, um, I will say that even though I can't have many of them and I'd love to, um, the Citadelic around now too is, is, is a really good one that I like. Nick, Um, did we do that on the show? I feel like we did do Citridelic, but we might've done the Voodoo Ranger. Mm. Uh, I forget which tire we did. Um, but those are, I mean, they really can almost do no wrong in my eye. That fucking, that, that, uh. That brew is incredible. So, those are mine. Nice, citrusy, citrusy.
4: Code Man, what do you think? Uh, I've got two. I've been on a kick of uh, Dawson's Little Sip of Sunshine. Lawson's Great beer, right? Lawson's, yeah. My Lawson. bad. My, my You're apologies. drunk. Don't worry. Yeah, about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't eat dinner yet, man. Eight point seven percent is fucking me. Yeah. He also and, said uh, Little Sip of delicious. Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> And a, uh, I think it's uh, I think it's called. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the Bodum. I think it's Bodum Half Acre IPA. I don't know. Nice. About- I haven't heard of that. Oh. One. It's like no. a, it's not used to me. Okay, the the can is it's 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 beautiful. This is why I discovered this beer because I pick beers based off their labels, obviously, <laughs> as a visual <laughs> human being. And um, it's like a volcano erupting. It's like a mountain volcano erupting, and it's beautiful. It's it's gorgeous. It's like a tiny little painting on the can. It's it's right. amazing. I
2: don't think I've seen um, that. Uh,
4: yeah. So those two, nice.
2: nice. Daniel, how about you?
1: Um so target they have their own brand of seltzers called good and gather
4: (laughs) 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 i like the uh, strawberry
1: mango (laughs) with uh some gin
0: okay nice
1: Uh, Now, as far as beers i don't really um i think in the winter i try to go seasonal like i'll drink like darker stuff but i'll drink dark stuff all our year all year round um Nah, that was the
0: only thing I had in my fridge Was that The fucking uh, Rasputin And I was like I'm not mm. doing the Rasputin Again
1: <laughs> Again anyway yeah No, yeah. Um, I, I just I, This year I finally tried the um, What are they called the seltzers in a can The uh, white claws Yeah like
0: Trulies and white claws and stuff Yeah
1: Yeah. So I, I can't say I've been like getting down with those But I've had maybe like five of those And that seems um season specific
4: those will sneak up on you
0: yeah it's like those feel like there's a tincture of alcohol in there that's <laughs> like now you're drunk and <laughs> and you're like what the fuck was was that it's not like beer you know and there's there's a warming sensation there's it's like the difference between taking acid and eating shrooms because Dude, the shrooms totally you will completely be ready for, and it'll bring you to the place where you're, ah, that's why the wall is breathing, and you understand it, (laughs) and it makes sense. Whereas if you drop, you will suddenly at one point see Super Mario and go, fuck, ah, Jesus, I'm not ready for that. And I feel like that's the truly in the White Claw (laughs) sensation (laughs) Where, you know, it's just, it's just unexpected and then it's, you're there and you got to deal with it and you're in it. And that's, that's particularly why I don't care for them that much. I know a lot of people have been getting down with them, especially this summer. Cause like GoPuff delivers them and oh, shit. Right. Um, and you can just get them easily, but I'll still put on a fucking N95 and go into the beer distributor and, and get some cases. Um, cause I know it, I'm comfortable with it. The mm-hmm. dude. All, all, all the way.
2: Um, I don't know how to fucking follow that up. That was a diatribe of brilliance.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you.
2: Um, I really, at this point of the year, I love um, Sly Fox's Hell's Lager.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. That is good a good. One. Oh, good baby,
2: pick. crisp. It's like it. I don't. <laughs> I, I never know how to figure out how to describe it but there's just that that first sip of beer after a really shitty day um, and 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 that does it it does it. it's perfect
0: yeah Sly Fox I, I wish they had a better batting average because they know. do have those few that are just really just like nice like yeah. well done O'Reilly and then Stout some,
2: like the Hells uh, yeah hop yeah. devil
0: the, that's that's victory, but that's victory. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. There's a there are a few, and then there's other ones where you're like, oh, I'll go with the Sly Fox, and then your your bone is seared. Yeah,
2: their Christmas beer fucking tastes like Christmas. Oh, you
0: love that one.
2: I fucking I'll drink you, that all. This, you are every a walking
0: day. boner for that one. <laughs> it's,
2: I'm so. You know what? I had it. This is this is awful. I don't know why I associate this memory, but at my grandmother's funeral. Um, was at Brittingham's in, uh, right on Germantown Pike in, 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 I guess that's White Marsh. Yeah. Um, and the, we had the reception there afterward, and uh, as Irish families would. And they had the Christmas beer there, and it was so comforting and so wonderful. I was like, this tastes like Christmas, and this Christmas
4: blows,
0: but yeah. not that much. But not that much <laughs> now that I got you.
4: Is, correct me if I'm wrong. Is Sly Fox the beer that has the cans where like the the entire top comes off? Yeah. That yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Brilliant. I know. Yeah. Brilliant.
1: Although I, I think, think they it.
2: might have gotten rid of that recently. Oh fuck! Somebody, Somebody put
0: out a thing though that you can you can do it to any can. Yeah. There's
2: like that that like snap and twist type deal.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what. Michelob used to put out a winter <laughs> a winter beer that. um to me, was the one. I think we already talked about this before on a cast long, long ago. But it was a snowman with like these neon green gloves was on the bottle. Mm. So fucking good. Nice. It was like there was a hint of marzipan or something in there. Ah. Ooh. It was, dude. It was something in it that was like this is delicious. But it also <laughs> had that um, callback to to Christmas flavors. So nice. Yeah, I hear you. I hear. You. Right on. Good shit. So
2: Cody blew it. Thank you so much for joining us. You did um, not blow it.
0: Don't let them taunt you like that.
4: <laughs> and we're back in third grade. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, thank you so much for having me. It was a real treat, my friend. I'm yeah, glad you, you were able to do along. it. Seriously, it's a serious treat to get to, you know, actually talk with some humans about the music we're going to put out because, you know, times as they are, <laughs> it doesn't happen very often. So thank so, you. Yeah, of course. Exactly. And before yeah. you go... Plug the record. When's it coming out? How are the people are gonna get it? Go ahead, Dweller. Sophomore album Aquarium coming out September eighteenth. Find it on Spotify, iTunes. Title, I think. Even if you, you know, there's a Jay Z's platform or whatever. Okay. Uh, but go to Bandcamp. Buy it on uh, Fridays because Bandcamp has uh, Bandcamp Fridays where all the proceeds go directly to the bands. Even if you like any band and. Use a streaming service. Go buy the album digitally. All that money goes directly to the artists on Fridays for Bandcamp. It's excellent. Yep. Um, Forge artifacts are labeled, putting it out on cassette tapes. If you're still into that thing, if you still drive a car from 1996 and have a cassette player in the car, I have a 2003 with a cassette player. So, dope. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so go play it. Uh, go go listen to it. Uh, keep an eye out for different merchandise we're gonna do some posters some t-shirts some cds if you're into that kind of thing and all the money from those is going to be directly uh, donated to black lives matter and uh, several other organizations here in philly so yeah there it Cody, is
2: do you have um social media and stuff
4: yeah uh our instagram is old underscore dweller um and i think we have a twitter i don't i don't know uh, my buddy Luke. So, so it's
1: very active.
4: <laughs> yeah, very. <laughs> we're we're right on, on Instagram. We have a Facebook too. I think I deactivated my Facebook. Um, hit us up, hit us up through Instagram. That's that's really the, the spot in Bandcamp. Yeah, right for on. sure.
1: And if you can't right wait until September 18th, you said right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can find it at Daniel's Free Shit at <laughs> AngelFire <laughs> backslash Geocities dot com.
4: I'm actually so okay with that. Just like the fuck out of it. Let's go. <laughs> hey, as long as people listen to it, that's all I care about. You know, right on brother.
0: <laughs> Angel fire geocities.com.
2: So to wrap things up, thank you so much for listening to our very special episode of book record beer. This is the first time we did it. Hopefully we can do it again. This indie spotlight profile of two artists that are really working in the scenes that they are working in. And they're doing great work. Um, So we had Nate Perkins, editor of Trident Press. Three books out. You can find him anywhere. He's excellent. And then you have Cody from Dweller. uh, And Dweller's Records coming out, as you said. So thank you for listening. Please check us out on social media at facebook.com slash book record beer podcast on Twitter at book record beer and on Instagram at book.record.beer. We're on iTunes. Don't forget. And uh, we'd appreciate that star rating, baby. We'd appreciate it. Um, thank you so much. We'll see you for, we'll see you in one month, not four. I've had too much beer. We'll see you in one month for the final episode of season four. Have a great day. Whatever this is when you're listening to it. Bye bye.
3: There is no way to slow.